0: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Today is Holy Thursday, or as we have taken to calling it, Maundy Thursday. Maundy from Mandatum, Mandatum Thursday. doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but that's what it is. Mandate Thursday, if you prefer, or even Command Thursday. That doesn't quite have the same ring to it. What's the mandate, the command, that gives this Holy Thursday its Maundy name? Well, it comes from another portion of St. John's Gospel, chapter 13, these words. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So today is about love. But tonight is also the night we recall When our Lord instituted his Holy Supper on the night he was betrayed. We heard St. Paul's synopsis of the verba, the words of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and is recorded in his letter to the church in Corinth. So we have both love and we have the sacrament. They go together. And that's what the church in Corinth believed, but they only got it half right. They were also half wrong. For them, the sacrament of the altar was another pagan agape feast, a love feast, a love festival. That's why they abused it the way they did, as Paul tells us. But some of them were going to the sacrament to binge on bread and get drunk on wine. They were eating and drinking our Lord's body and blood as if it were common food or even just a pagan sacrifice. They were not discerning the Lord's body and blood. That is, they were eating and drinking, but not believing. And that's what the Scriptures call, and Luther echoes, eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. You know your catechism, that's what Luther reminds you, that it's essential that you believe. And have faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, in order to receive the sacrament properly. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now, there's a lot to believe in those few words. The sacrament is given, it's a gift. That means it's not an act of obedience, and it's not following a command. It's not deserved, nor is it merited. It is given to the poor, miserable sinners, despite who they are, despite who you are, despite what you may have thought, or what you have said, or what you have done. Thanks be to God for that. It is given solely by the grace of God, given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And we also heard this night from the Gospel according to St. John chapter 13 about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. You can learn more about that in last week's Congregation of Prayer. But our Lord has done far more than even what Peter demanded. He has washed you head to toe in the waters of holy baptism. And those waters are more than just washing off of dust or dirt. But he's cleansed you from every spot and wrinkle that your sin has brought. And he's made you new and holy in God's sight. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. But he has washed you. You were washed in Christ's shed blood and thus are joined to his body. He is your brother, and you are a fellow heir with him of eternal life. Because where there is forgiveness of sins, there is life and eternal salvation. So in washing his feet, we see another example of love, God's love in Christ Jesus. As he takes off his outer garments, stoops down, and he serves. Not just his disciples, but even today, he serves you. That's the grace of God. He is a giving God. And by his giving, you know that he actually loves you. Do we know he loves you, be, or do you know he loves you because he gives you bread to eat and wine to drink? Well, not if it's just earthly bread and regular old wine. Because the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, they have no problem with food or drink, and they don't even know how to ask for it. How do you know that God loves you, despite all the things that you confess, the failures you have said, thought, and done in the Father's eyes? Again, it's these words, given and shed. That's how. Because in Christ Jesus, the love of God is made known to you, poor sinners. God, God the Father gave his Son unto suffering and death for you. Therefore, you know that God is gracious and merciful. There is no greater love than this, than one man lay down his life for his friends. The fullness of God's love is known only and the Son of God dead upon the cross. And so, yes, there is love, love in the sacrament. But this love is Christ's love for sinners, the love of the Son of God dying in your place. And having taken your place, he's also purchased and won you for himself, for his kingdom. But not just as serfs to blindly obey, but rather you are, as he says, his friends. He has come into your midst to serve you as the suffering servant, the suffering king. He stripped off his garments, he took up the towel and basin, and he washed you. He laid aside his glory and suffered the most ignoble death, the death of a cross. And he keeps serving you, keeps giving to you as he feeds you this night on his own crucified body and blood to keep you in his righteousness and holiness until that day that he calls to you from your grave and you rise with him to new life in paradise. His death and his supper go together. It's one day after all. Before the sun sets tomorrow, he'll be dead and in the tomb. That's why St. Paul gives you this truth when he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. St. Paul is telling you to use the supper as part of your common confession of faith. It's one of the ways that you actually show the world what you believe. Therefore, you should only celebrate it with those who confess the same faith as you. You can't commune with those of a different faith, even a different Christian faith because the supper is your banner of faith. It is your confession. By communing at this altar, you are confessing that you believe what this congregation believes, teaches, and confesses. If you were to commune where there was an error taught, especially an error in regards to the sacrament, you would be saying, in effect, I agree with that error. So that's one unworthy way of eating. But again, in Paul's Paul's letter to Corinth, the unworthy eating... Was very specific. It was about not discerning the body and blood of Christ. That is, not having faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And probably the most outrageous thing that many Christians today deny, but as Paul said, there is actually consequence, there is punishment for those who sin against Christ's body and blood. He shockingly described physical consequence. For those members in Corinth who are abusing the sacrament, treating it just like another pagan feast. He called it eating and drinking judgment on himself. And then he went on to say, This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But I'd like you to be careful with this. While it is absolutely true, we're not talking about those who have weak faith or who are shy or troubled or terrified because of the great number of their sins. As a matter of fact, he was talking about the exact opposite, those who thought they had no need of forgiveness of sins. Those who think that that in their great impurity they're not worthy of Christ's benefits are exactly the people for whom Christ died. Those who are horrified by their sins are those who are the truly worthy guests. For this is whom the Lord's Supper has been especially instituted and appointed. God's power being made perfect in weakness. That is, forgiving sins. Therefore, dear Christians, having been examined and absolved, confessing your sins, you receive the sacrament in right faith. I'd like to end with a word just from Luther's Maundy Thursday sermon, one of them. He said this, We Christians should cherish this testament as a treasure of the highest value, should love it dearly, and should make use of it cheerfully and frequently, deriving from it much joy and consolation, thus fulfilling the will of our dying Lord and Savior. His command in this regard is plain. He urges upon us the use of this sacrament. True Christians will never disregard this command, but will readily and often find comfort in its fulfillment, even until the day when the Lord, who himself gave such a testament, will come again from heaven to judge the living and the dead. So may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, received in his body and blood this evening. Amen.